0: Welcome back to Short Time with Vin and Dave Vin Avenue. Dave Cross and with you here on Short Time, 943 the Points, Sunday morning. Joining us is Tom Rizzo, who's been on the show in the past, a police captain here in the great state of New Jersey. Author as well of the book Kapakazi. Um that he talked about on our show in the past, uh, Crucible to Manage Mission Impossible, also goes all over the country to discuss not only the context of the book, but the state of police in society today and so much more. So uh, before we dive into anything, Tom, welcome on back. Thanks for joining us. Uh, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Thanks for being here. So uh, since you put wrote the book and put it out and started going on tour and teaching classes and speaking um at all these different events and engagements across New Jersey and across the country. How have you seen any part of um, what you wrote, any part of the narrative change in a positive way
1: or uh, in a negative way that still needs work in society? So it's actually ironic. I'm seeing, uh, I guess, hope. I'm seeing places that economics might not be the best, uh, budgets might be under the same type of restraints that uh, we see throughout the country. Yet, uh, morale in certain places, by simple means of uh, empathy and connection, are causing robust recruitment initiatives. Um, again, and it's all free; it's not limited to resources. Uh, this is just in the way that they're treating people within their the walls that they're building. Uh, that's having a reciprocity effect in their communities. So, I'm seeing it work. In terms of not because they're my theories, I'm saying mm-hmm. this is basic uh, human notions and treating people like human beings, not as police officers per se. Uh, so it's not so polarized. And it's working. And, I, and I'm so at the same in the same breath, while I'm somewhat discouraged and disparaged when I see some things that, that happen, uh, I'm very blessed to be able to get out there and travel. So I'm not cloistered, and I see different communities uh, that have far less than what we have up here in the Northeast that mm-hmm. are doing very well. What are some of the
0: biggest challenges that you've come across or that you've thought of as you're traveling the road or talking to police in other states about any kind of challenges, any kind of issues that they're looking at internally or how to deal with certain
1: problems or issues in their own local communities? I see it as twofold and a bifold problem is communication and connection, those two things. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's definitely a lack of communication, so uh, that's why, obviously, you know the the class, the full day class I teach is the ivory tower because I talk about the disconnect. It's not because administrations are evil and the working class is being disparated. It's just that that disconnect. Right. Uh, I I still I still think overwhelmingly administrations mean well, uh, but. Again, they're being communicated by oversight committees, uh, legislative bodies, politicians uh, who don't necessarily have any type of stakehold in the application, the practical application of these policies, and then that's being poorly communicated to the ground-level troops who then fail in their endeavors to, you know, uh, deploy these tactics in the field, and yet they're then the ones to have the darts thrown at them when, in fact, the connection to the so-called people we're supposed to be serving is what's being sacrificed. So I'm seeing that. The communication and the connection are interrelated, and I think that it's, it's failing us, for certain.
0: What, what parts of communication do you think need the most improvement? Not in New Jersey or across the country with a uh, governing body, with the police department, within the police department, to give as much transparency as possible to,
1: to anything and everything? Uh, I think that we jumped several uh, beginning stages. So in the in the spirit of transparency we'll go right to showing body camera footage of let's say a fatal shooting which okay, I understand why people want that transparency right but we skip steps one through two, three and four, let's say. what do I mean when policies are updated, when certain restrictions are placed upon police, we hold those you know very close to the breast pocket and we don't share that when in fact, I think that we should. Oprah and these public disclosure acts already, people at any given time could get our policies. Of course, that doesn't breach any type of security measures. But my point is, why not share with the public? Hey, listen, four steps were added to a routine call for service. And I'm being illustrative. A domestic incident, let's say, right? Well, there's three more forms now that are required to be completed by a police officer, a.k.a., which is going to take now X amount of more time. Uh, There's restrictions now on pursuits. Let's share this information so the public does not get frustrated when they see us acting in a certain way, when we're asking certain questions, when we're – so I guess what I'm trying to say is my definition of transparency is being transparent. Good point. In the beginning, in in both the pros and the cons. (laughs) Right. It's not complaining. It's not throwing legislations or attorney generals or politicians under the bus. It's just being transparent. I'm not casting blame. I'm not saying thumbs up to the left, thumbs down to the right, or vice versa. I'm saying – there's a new policy in place. Mm. It now will take extended calls, you know, routine calls for service will be extended, uh, response time, you know, uh, burdens on our resources. Let's just be honest. You could go on HDTV and see a step-by-step procedure on how to build a house. Contractors aren't worried. <laughs> right? I'm just saying <laughs> yeah, so let's just point. be transparent. <laughs> yeah. We can't chase a car for X,YZ. So if you see it go by and so you see it and you wonder why we don't do it, well, here is why. Um, these crimes have ticked up. Well, who better to ask? Well, answer it. I think police officers are the worst when it comes to advertising what we all know, but we feel like a gag order's been placed on us in fear of retribution and retaliation or some type of, you know, stain on the industry. But everybody knows it's happening. It, it, uh, like I guess
0: in the case of New Jersey, I mean, how do you think this is challenged? Uh, law enforcement agencies police uh, uh, of any rank um, I guess with the public perception of things just to your point earlier like oh uh, why aren't they investigating this or why aren't they pulling this car over looking into this with uh, when the public most of the public perhaps doesn't know what restrictions or rules are in place that were put into place by an attorney general or by the governor or administration along those lines where it's People are blaming police for not doing certain things or doing
1: certain things, but they're just following the rules and guidelines that were put in place ab- above them. Again, I think uh, because nobody ever teaches or never uh, nobody ever preaches the importance and the significance of uh, communication and communication skills, with that comes courage. You might have to talk about a narrative that's not going to be received well. You have to be able to do that with emotional intelligence, so that you're not sitting there taking sides. You're not implanting your opinion. I have no problem, me personally, and I know a lot of people like this. I have no problem talking openly and candidly about it. Right. Whether it's, which is why I did my book the way I did, yeah. whether to an oppositionist or a supporter. These are the facts. I've heard leaders say, "Oh, but if we give out our policies about you know uh, pursuits, then the criminal element will know what we're doing." I said, "Well, they have access to it regardless. Go on YouTube." File an Oprah request. They could get these policies. They're on the websites. Yeah. So it's not a secret. We're the ones acting like it's a secret. And then we get frustrated when the message or the advertisement gets hijacked by somebody who's not a supporter of ours and paints us in a different light. Well, we had the opportunity to paint that picture, and we didn't. Simple. I just think just painting the accurate picture, not taking sides, not throwing shots at each other. Yeah. Let's just talk about it. This is what we can do. This is what we can't do.
0: Do you think that there should be more transparency when a change does happen, a a change in policy, a change in rule for what police have to go through by a governing body, whether it's a local governing body or the state, the governor, attorney general, whoever is putting these into place, that they should tell the public everything instead of just saying,
1: uh, this happened, so this is why we're doing it? I think, I, I think well, listen, I mean, I can only talk about the state of New Jersey, let's say, uh, right. but that is advertised. They don't hide it. I think it's the police department specifically that need assistance in mm-hmm. how to market this. And what I'm saying is if you go on Facebook, everything now, let's talk about the modern era. It's all about uh, Facebook and, and LinkedIn and Twitter. I don't think there's anything wrong. Again, sides aside, opinions aside, right. hey, public announcement to my community, XYZ was updated. This now means this is what we can do. This is what we can't do. It's, again, you're going to have people be critical. You're going to have people be supportive. doesn't matter what side they're on. At least information is power. We're not doing it, yet there's blogs, there's podcasts, there's YouTube channels who are doing it. And then we, as human beings, cops aside, get frustrated, and then we take that frustration and anger out on people. It's just, this is a people thing. Do you feel that overall in New Jersey, I
0: know uh, there's a lot of great chiefs and law enforcement across Ocean and Monmouth County that are representing uh, law enforcement well, um, but do you feel that there is any kind of disconnect between law enforcement in New Jersey and the governing body as a whole, Governor Murphy and his administration, or anybody else, that there says we are expressing what we feel is going well, what's not going well, but we don't feel we're
1: being heard as well on this issue or that issue. Well, I don't know that there's anything on purpose. You know, I wouldn't say that. I think that sure, if you just look at numbers, if if law enforcement is going to be responsible for doing something, they should have the lion's share in terms of input, right? Mm. Only because, and that's not because of just being any type of presumptuous, it's just that if we're going to be the ones to be doing it, I think we should have the most say in in terms of talking about, let's talk realistically if this is practical or not, and here's why. But I think that's a conversation where maturity has to take place. You have to be able to do it sincerely with opinions aside. I think emotions run too high sometimes, and, you know, both, you know, opposite sides don't attract, let's say. Uh, but, no, you know, I think that there's a disconnect in terms of, again, that we've caused ourselves. If we don't communicate it ourselves as to why this isn't working or why this would work better, uh, but instead we talk about it around a campfire, I'm talking about police personnel, yeah, yeah. then we're not doing any good. So, again, I don't think it's incumbent upon the governor or anybody else as to why they should or shouldn't advertise. I think that every department I see has their own means of communicating to their communities. Right, we do it for other things. So I think it's incumbent upon us to communicate it ourselves. I've always said that: be in control of your own narrative, control your own narrative. Opinions aside, no, I don't think it's a good look to be, you know, polarized and throwing shots at each other because right. then that polarizes other people. Yeah. Um, I'm talking about just fact, just the facts, like you know Joe Friday would say, just the facts. Just the facts. Yeah. <laughs> and put it, but put it out. But put it out. Otherwise, people don't know. I, I guess. I guess what I'm trying to say is I've never had a problem being an open book, and that means. Talk about the good, talk about the bad, talk about the ugly, whatever it is that you want to talk about. Whatever it is laid out. But let's lay it out so that at least people could say. You may not like it or love it, but at least hopefully you understand.
0: What do you think in just hearing from not just around Jersey, but other communities across the country that the public is most interested in trying to find out? I think just in the age of social media, perhaps at any time you hear that uh, there is a fire, there is a shooting, there's something going on in your community like oh what happened or uh, an alarm goes off at a school what happened i need to know now uh, that there's just like so much more demand on social media or otherwise the demand for information from the public just because they're eager to learn more uh, is it something along those lines or something else do you find that uh, communities near and far just want police departments to be transparent about I guess as much as possible without
1: jeopardizing any kind of investigation that's such a it's such a delicate balance yeah uh, you know I, I say all the time i know this because i'm biased i'm i'm in you know obviously i'm on the law enforcement side of things that yeah it's never about withholding information like nobody takes joy in doing that you always try to empathize and say hey if i was on the other side of the fence i'd want to know too sure it's just so frustrating, though, when we also have to worry about the efficacy and, the and I guess, the effectiveness of the job we still have to do. So we never want to do anything or prematurely put something out that then, you know, in this day and age, you can never retract. Once it's out there, it's out there. <laughs> right? And, and so it creates such an, a fear and anxiety. I'd be lying if I said it didn't. And I've seen it done really well throughout the state uh, by some examples where they do, uh, I think, a great job at sharing you know, communicating, but I think, unfortunately, people don't, you know, they don't accept that well. They always right away go to conspiracy theory of, oh, their withholding this, there must mm. be a sin. It's just so difficult. You know, again, I've seen it even before. Forget all the rules and the statutes. Just the human basic, you know, uh, I guess, respect of respecting people's privacy. Like, you know, I know some things that you wouldn't want to put out. It's gruesome or maybe it's embarrassing. So it's, sure. you know, some extended family may not know yet, let's say, that type of thing. But unfortunately, that falls short of what people accept nowadays. So I think that's created a burden for sure.
0: Do, do you find, and just across the country as well, do you find that law enforcement feels pressured to release any kind of information just to satisfy the masses, so to speak, in any case? I think,
1: not to satisfy the masses, because I think that the culture, the industry as a whole, and I'm being very careful here to speak as a culture and an industry by myself, but I would say no, I I think that we've given up on that it's going to satisfy anything. Mm. This, This belief or this opinion has become now, in my opinion, a reality that we feel as if you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. Go ahead, release it. Then you get criticized. Don't release it. Then you're hiding something. It's like, Mm. my goodness, it doesn't. Then you do release it, and it's still, uh, you know, it's not like okay, it's admonished now. Here it is, clear cut. You're seeing it right unfold in front of you, and you still don't get that some type of like okay, I've been vindicated now. They'll say anybody with a set of eyes and ears can watch this and say, oh, we understand. We wait for that. Drum roll, please. But the show never goes on. And I, I'm telling you, it happens all the time throughout the country where, you know, you see it from a distance. You'll say, oh, come on, that's clear cut. Anybody who sees that will say they understand why the police did what they did right. or didn't do what right. they didn't do. Yeah. yeah, And then all of a sudden you wait. That next segment's on the weather, though. So you're like, <laughs> all right, I guess we're not going to say talk about that. So that's the frustrating point. Sure. So the pressure to do it? Sure. Knowing that feeling it's going to satisfy anybody? Surely not. No way. <laughs> No way.
0: <laughs> Sometimes I feel like just with anything in life, there's right, just no true. satisfying certain people.
1: No. People are just, oh, that's not good enough. I need more. Like, uh, but yes. I, I, I have to tell you <laughs> sincerely, though, yeah. something like that, so minuscule, so small, goes miles to the morale and the support and the culture. When you have somebody, again, I'm not talking about, you know, a, a blue line parade. Right. I'm saying just something so simple as to, hey, listen, I'm critical when they go bad, but for this one, I'm supporting them. In my opinion, they did everything professional. They did it right. They got, they did the best they could. My goodness, you know, hats off. It it goes miles. It goes miles. I don't know how else to say it except I've experienced it, and I've talked to folks, and they say, yeah, that's what we needed. That was the breath of of oxygen to reignite us, sure.
0: Tom, I have to go to a quick break, but I want to discuss more about your book and uh, the state of law enforcement in the country right now. Can you hang around? Yes. More short time with Vin and Dave and Tom Rizzo, author of Capacazzi, a crucible to manage Mission Impossible, and a police captain here in New Jersey right after this on 94.3 The Point. Hi, this is Christy Pierce-Rampone, former U.S. women's soccer team captain, Olympic gold medalist. World Cup champion, and Point Borough High School alum. And you're listening to Short Time with Vin and Dave on 94.3 The Point. Tune in for some real conversation with Dave and Vin. You don't want to miss this.
2: Let's face it, investment concepts and financial planning can be very intimidating and confusing. Shoreline Wealth Management addresses that feeling head-on. Their goal is to educate you while offering financial advice without buzzwords and jargon. Shoreline includes you in the process and makes you comfortable every step of the way on your path to financial freedom. Shoreline Wealth Management is your financial anchor. Visit ShorelineWealth.com for more information today. Shoreline Wealth Management, with offices in Manchester and Manahawkin, Securities offered through LPL Financial, member Finn SIPC. Hey, this is UFC Championship Fighter and Tom's River High School East alumni Frankie Edgar and you're listening to Short Time with Vin and Dave on 94.3
0: The Point. Dave and Vin, these guys at the a buzz. Welcome back to Short Time with Vin and Dave. Vin Avenue, Dave Cross, with you with us here this morning is Tom Rizzo, a police captain here in New Jersey and author of the book Kapikaze: A Crucible to Manage Mission Impossible. We've been talking about different issues, challenges facing law enforcement, not just here at the Jersey Shore or in New Jersey, but across the country, as well as uh, Captain Rizzo goes across the country speaking in communities in 39 states now, uh, about the state of law enforcement and uh, any number of issues to put it, for lack of a better word, facing many different communities across the country. Uh, I wanted to start this segment with with something um, just Top of mind as facing law enforcement here in New Jersey. I mean, I've seen it. And I know you have as well. With different police chiefs or police officers who've been on the job long enough to retire, just retiring early, whether that's 40s or 50s, when they're still uh, top of their game, so to speak. But I think some have sort of cited the the restrictions and laws that have put in place in New Jersey by the Murphy administration uh or the pressures of society or other issues or like these are these are good guys so the good police chiefs or or women as well um the men and women in blue who have retired early as a police chief or as an officer because of the uh the restrictions the rise in crime the issues with bail reform uh, any number of issues that sort of relate along those lines and numbers are sort of dwindling with the amount of men and women who are joining uh, law enforcement in New Jersey. I mean, what what is your take on all this and just kind of what law enforcement in New Jersey is facing right now and
1: the amount of what seems like rising pressures? So I think uh, if we've ever had the debate before, is it a profession, I think now would be the answer to that question. Uh, there's just the, again, even talking about licensing, which I'm a fan of, uh, for the record. I, I just think that there's certainly more requirements, there's certainly more pressures, there's certainly more certifications that are linked to the profession today than there were, let's say like when somebody like I started. Uh, So I think that like anything else, you know, more things added to the plate. And if somebody has an option to endure the, you know, more challenges and heightened challenges, or take, you know, another avenue, and you have a choice to say, well, I guess, you know, if there's a time to bow out, it would be under pressure, then I would take that time. So I think that you're seeing that. I think what's scarier to me is uh, the recruitment issue when I know you have municipalities fighting with each other. And I say that not physically, but right, you know, right. over, uh, over viable candidates. That's what makes it tough. So I know that people are scratching their heads wondering what they could do to attract people so that, you know, we don't become an endangered species. I mean, you're talking now hiring bonuses. You're talking about incentives never seen before because I think people are recognizing and realizing you know, um, where we're at and where we need to be. Do
0: you find that police departments in ocean and Monmouth County or just across New Jersey are having a hard time, uh, just trying to find the right amount of personnel to have on a given shift? Uh, you know, like we need X amount of officers or X amount of people in our department to be able to function without burning anybody out.
1: Well, I think that is that known. Sure. Uh, is that being handled you know, effectively, surely not. And that's because why everybody doesn't, nobody wants to put more financial burdens on their municipalities. And then you have governing bodies who certainly don't want to go ahead and face their communities and say we're raising taxes, right? So there, it's, it's a multi-faceted approach and, and dilemma that we're dealing with. But I think that's where you have groups doing studies and per capita studies and certain type of breakdowns that they could statistically show, hey, we don't have the adequate coverage here. No, you know, it's unfortunate, though, because nobody wants to hear, hey, we need more police and more. As soon as you mention that, that at the same time, you know, has it incites, you know, the opposite to say, no, we want less. So I think that's it's a it's a very special issue that has to be handled delicately. But I think that if you were to sit there and show an intelligent approach just by nature of building increased population, Increased requirements, right? There's just more things required. There is no longer, you know, hey, we don't handle this. We're handling more in terms of several things and several aspects of community service. So you need the personnel to handle that.
0: What do you, in talking to other law enforcement across the country or in this state, even, um, where are some of the bigger challenges lying with how to get to work every day, how to communicate different concerns within? your own department, you know, the man or woman in law enforcement or whatever, to communicate any issues or concerns that you have within your own department or within law enforcement overall, how to communicate with local legislators or people across the country to get out the points to say, hey, you know what, Uh, these are things that we could do to make things better um, on any number of given
1: issues. Again, I think it's just fear of reprisal and, and being cast out as a certain uh, that, that you're trying to, you know, uh, go against folks. If I think right now people are so worried about, you know, just stating something just based on opinion that's they could rationalize and say, this is where I'm coming from. It's not to, again, get anybody upset. It's just to say, look, I, we have a great idea. Maybe we could try this. I just think that, you know, the basic communication and dialogue. Has been broken uh, while technology has given us the ability to do this there's no excuse for it we could share ideas we can network and, and we could bounce things off each other we know now all you have to do is look to brother and sister agencies of relative size relative demographics and you could see what works and what doesn't work we could do that sure it's at our fingertips and i think that why not in this age of information sharing why not do that do you find that
0: officers first on the job let's say they they just got hired or maybe in their first couple years are uh anywhere too uh just not just around here but across jersey or this or the country that they're sort of hesitant about speaking up or saying things because they know or they feel that well hey i'm i've only been on the job for x amount of time nobody will listen to me anyway so i'll just kind of do as i'm told
1: You know, there's a certain part of that, but I don't know that that's, you know, fair to say that that goes by any type of tenure or seniority. I think it's almost, like I said, industries, organizations as a whole, that you feel like we're the last voices, yet we're the, you know, it's open season to criticize from head to toe everything that we're doing. And some of it's justified, no doubt, clearly, right? But I'm saying um, the voices aren't given that same type of, I guess, equity Mm. in the conversation where some of these questions could be easily answered. But again, like I've always been consistent on, I think that we've allowed our mission, our mission statements, our objectives, our philosophies to be hijacked by people that aren't in the trenches per se. Uh, so we kind of have ourselves to blame for that.
0: What do you think should be done to help, uh, I guess, clarify any mission statement, any department guidelines that any police department anywhere is, is putting together, not just for the public but for their own inner department communication, what kind of improvements uh, can be done to make things
1: uh, better, easier, uh, more more effective overall for any number of practices? So I, I've openly said this, and I've taken some criticism for it, uh, and I welcome it. Um, I think not because, again, I think it's purposeful, not because I think this is evil intent on the part of administrations, but right. I think that they are so desperate to appease uh, the communities at large, and I'm not saying that's not significant, that they sacrifice in my and they do it backwards, that they, commu- they worry about their outward communication first before the inward communication has to occur. So I've, o- I've always said, if you take care of what's happening within the four walls of your building, I think that will then transcend into the four corners of your community. When the information is shared, when the message is internalized, when the empathy is shared within the hallways of a building, again, it's like oxytocin, right? It's contagious. That will then be employed out on the street. You can't, and and again, that's why the chapter, the one chapter in the book is called Jekyll Hyde. You can't have it. We're inside the building. We're stabbing each other, again, philosophically. Right, right. But then expect an empathetic connection with the community out there. It's just not going to happen, right? You're asking people to wear two, two faces, and I think that's impossible. Again, I'm not saying it's purposeful. Right. I'm saying I think it, is kind of forsaken because, oh, yeah, he knows what we have to do. Oh, yeah, she knows what we have to do. Oh, they, they know what we have to do. You know, they were given the policy. They were given it in email. They were trained. And I could tell you when the, that message or when the culture is not internalized first, I think it then gets confused when it's being deployed out in the field.
0: Whether it's something internal or public perception, whatever it is, um, what, what are some of the biggest challenges facing law enforcement today? I mean, how difficult is it with – Uh, whatever office, whatever rank you are, how difficult is it? What are some of the challenges facing law enforcement today that I know you've been in law enforcement for 22 years, but what are just some of the challenges in New Jersey or across the country uh, that are making things, you know, uh, like the book, the crucible to manage mission impossible? What are some of those challenges that you think uh, there's not enough conversations about or not enough active solutions being put into play?
1: I I just think what's, you know, literally sitting in front of you is obvious. Um, Recidivist offenders that, again, this isn't casting a judgment on an individual. Right. It's casting judgment on a behavior and a pattern of behavior. So the same way that people could say there's certain patterns of behavior that a man or a woman shouldn't be a police officer because they've exhibited certain patterns of behavior, well, there's certain individuals that have exhibited patterns of behavior that they shouldn't be able to be given the opportunity to go ahead and do that same thing again. So I think while it applies to us and we're accepting that challenge now with the oversight, with all the mechanisms in place to weed out these ones, I think it would only be a fair conversation to say, well, why don't we do that the same thing with the offenders who are committing these heinous crimes and offenses repetitively? Right. And then we are the ones who are suffering the disparaging remarks from the public. Why aren't you doing more about this? So it puts us in a very delicate situation where we don't want to be caught saying, well, that's because politician A or politician B. You don't ever (laughs) want to do that, even if that's the way we feel. You don't want to do that because then what are we doing? We're just pitting more people against each other. Nobody wins. Good point. So I'm not a fan of that. I've never been a fan of it. You're never going to hear me say thumbs up to this one, thumbs down to that one, because I'm just not a fan of it. I'm saying, though, we openly – we always say yes to the deal, per se, and shake hands, when it seems like it's in simultaneously increased oversight and accountability, simultaneously cut them loose, Bruce, on the you know, the enforcement perspective of it. It just doesn't make sense.
0: Do you feel that there are rising pressures from the public, from society, to do more or to do less in any way? And is that frustrating in any way, just going to work every day
1: or in converse, any conversations that you've had with any number of people in law enforcement? what's frustrating for me is as i alluded to before i visited some of the hot spots in the country that have been under the most scrutiny and i could tell you if you just walk the streets and you talk to the who i call the people and most people that most people stand or what most people are good most people are good there's people who live in certain areas that say openly honestly that yeah they want police there they want police doing their job they want to be treated with human dignity and respect of course but However, again, their message then gets hijacked. So I just think that it's the ones with the most, I guess, uh, you know, input that do, that is not fair and it's not equitable. And I don't think it's representative of what most people want. I think if you were to do blind polls and surveys, I'm not saying it, it, it's whether or not people are fans of police or not. I think but fans of what police were meant to do and that's to, you know. Cri- prevent crime and apprehend violators and offenders. Yeah, that's what people want. <laughs> I don't think Without they want. Doubt, right? I don't think they want their stores being smashed and right. and, and goods stolen. Those are people who are business folks, right? Doesn't mean if they support the police or not. Their goods right. now are taken off their shelves. I don't think people want their cars stolen.
0: Uh, no. no, no, I imagine right? not.
1: <laughs> but here we go. But you see how the yeah. message gets hijacked. What's right. the message that you see? I mean, we'll make sure you lock your car. While I don't disagree with that, clearly. I was taught when I was four years old, don't take something that doesn't belong to you. Right. Right. We, yeah, that, sure. No, 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 no. Right. we can't say that. That's just automatically skipped. And I'm like, well, that's kind of crappy. We just now pass this burden onto the victim.
2: Right. Very true.
1: <laughs> and I'm like, you want to at all mention that the violator in this, It's this is the 13th time he or she has done it and they haven't even reached the age of 15. Do you want to have that conversation? I mean, so this is what I mean. If we're going to have the conversation about being critical of police response, we're going to have the conversation being critical of, you know, citizens' behavior as far as not locking their stuff up or doing or putting themselves in precarious situations, I think we should also have the conversation about the offender.
0: <laughs> what do you think can be done, either your opinion, anything you've had with people in law enforcement across the country about some of the issues that have come to light with excessive force or uh, racial relations or anything along those lines, what should be done to improve things, to, you know, check on behaviors, the personal behaviors of of certain men and women in law enforcement who show any hint of uh, those types of wrongful behavior or tendencies where they end up doing something
1: just inhumane? Well, I mean, let's be fair. These oversight mechanisms have not only been in place for a bit, they remain, Does that mean it's a source that you're going to eradicate the problem entirely? That can't be. And do you know why? Because who makes up police departments and police officers? Human beings. So with that comes perfectly imperfect. So you're never going to have something to eradicate it entirely, but you have oversight mechanisms that are in place throughout the country. I think that those things are already happening. I think the narrative that's been painted, though, is that, and you see this, Anytime a high-profile incident happens, it paints the police in a negative picture where the police got it wrong. And I'm going to be very cliché. They got it wrong, let's say. You see that spread virally throughout the country, to include by our own. You know, we speak out and we say we condemn this behavior. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't do that. But I'm saying you don't see the equal to or greater than emphasis on what happens statistically dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens more frequently when the police get it right. So, again, we've painted ourselves into a certain portrait that I think is going to be very difficult to do a reverse now imagery of. Uh, if you see, you know, a police officer shot and killed by a violent you know, offender, those names don't get spread. Comparatively, if a police officer would do something wrong, it's all over. So I think that, again, this goes back to what I said. These, you know, we don't talk enough. We have these oversight mechanisms. You see every time a high-profile incident happens, you see police chiefs and leaders from all over the country do what they take that as an opportunity to advertise. We wouldn't tolerate that here. We have this mechanism in place here. We have strict, you know, a to our policy. So we have all that. So I, again, I I think those things are already in place. You know, we get trained. We get, you know, it's mandated training. It's not like these things aren't happening. Of course they are. Of course they are.
0: What is what is the feeling of of law enforcement just when there are cri- uh, in particular uh, crimes on police or officers are being shot? In the line of duty or or killed god forbid uh or there are crimes uh on police or the just overall with the rising crime rate i mean how has that changed the emotions of going to work every day for men and women in law enforcement uh do you find that there's any kind of rising emotion or rising fear with either just lawlessness rising crime maybe how certain people would view police in certain communities across the country has that created any
1: kind of rising fear or anxiety? Well, sure. I mean, I think that again, officers that are out there every day patrolling the streets in various communities definitely have a heightened sense of awareness about them because of it doesn't it isn't, this isn't even a police problem. I think that overwhelmingly society doesn't feel like life is valued very much. So that certainly is going and yes, of course when people are targeted that they don't that nobody respects the authority part of that anymore. So I think that that then always turns into now there's some type of contention between an authority figure and somebody subject to that authority Uh, so i think that sure that creates that heightened sense of awareness what worries me more is when that becomes personalized and again that then turns into normal routine interactions being abrasive being cynical because the chip on the shoulder per se or just the mere fact that somebody is just working off of anxiety which is i think understandable Right. I mean, we see that on the flip side of it. And there's certain people who feel as if they have anxious, they get anxious when they deal with the police. Well, I think that the police are now showing whether we want to deny it or not. We're showing that boomerang effect right back. I think there's a certain sense of anxiety. And that's being, you know, overtly displayed. Sure. Tom, last question uh, this morning that I have, um,
0: you know, we've talked about it uh, last time you were on the show and just in other conversations in the past as well. Uh, When it comes to support for police and I Mm -hmm. I know that you cover this in a, in a chapter in your book um, and you hit, touched on it earlier in our conversation here, but uh, in terms of people shown support for police uh, signs talking about it in conversation, I mean, how, how does that make you feel? How does it make law enforcement feel to know that there are people out there either, uh, you know, hanging the blue flags outside their, their homes or putting the bumper stickers on or showing all these signs of support. Um, you know, I guess given where things are with the state of police right now, how does it feel
1: to be able to get all that support? I think it's a shame that we even need that. Uh, I think it's very nice. I mean, but I have to tell you this, and I say this wherever I go, overwhelmingly po- people support the police. Right. That doesn't mean they have to fly a flag. doesn't mean they have to put yeah, a sticker yeah. on. People have done that, I think, to go ahead and show because they see a need to show it, which is great, and we're blessed to receive that. Sure. But I have to tell you, I mean I I know myself, right? I know I've been offered, hey, you know, thank you for what you do, all this stuff like way, I mean, I countless more times than an average Joe. So, that happens throughout the country. And we know police officers know most people are good. Right. Most people support police. And what I mean by that is no, that doesn't mean it rises to the level of a decal. It's just that they know, okay, this is who they are, this is what they do. I think that we have allowed the personification of that we're not supported, and I don't believe that to be true, but I think that needs to be reinforced. So does it help? Sure, it does. Is it refreshing to see? Sure, it does, but not at the cost of diversifying us worse or polarizing us worse. Right. So I think it's one of those things we could do it just by mere fact of in social circles, when a conversation's had, oh, this jerk cop did X, Y, Z. And you could say, well, you kind of deserved X, Y, and Z. Or, <laughs> right, you know what I mean? Point, yeah. We can help that in social circles. And I think it all goes back to what I always say, and It's in communication, right? Taking the badge and the shield away from, from us and having the heart and the brain operate first.
2: And I think okay. a lot of people, to your point, they want to show more support because they do see what you're going through and they do see the the different perceptions out there that aren't accurate and they want to say, hey, thank you and and give you that extra love, so to speak. And I think, no and, and, but to your point, you're not looking for, but I think, you know, people may say, hey, I want to just because I, I see what you're going through.
1: I stopped and I helped a trooper out on an interstate uh, with somebody that had trouble with their vehicle and the person was so appreciative and they said, oh, you know, my goodness, you know, can I at least get you guys coffee, something like that. And it was funny. The trooper cracked up because I said, I was like, I tell you what, you know what you could do? And the person looked at me and said, the next time you're involved in a social circle and anything comes up of law enforcement, I don't care how terrible it is, all I want you to say is this one time that you dealt with the police, they were really helpful and really cool to you. Can you do that? Fair enough. They go, that's, fair that, enough. That, fair that's enough. easy. I Done. went, great. Sure. <laughs> Sometimes
0: it's all takes. It's I, all jokes, just, just a word little conversation out, right? word yeah, of Spread the word. Word of mouth. That's it. <laughs> Tom, I appreciate you coming on here again to talk about uh you know what's in your book, but just kind of the state of law enforcement across New Jersey and the country right now. Yep. Uh but appreciate you coming on and you're definitely always welcome back on. Thank you. I appreciate you.
2: Thank you for coming in this morning.
0: Thank you. That is Tom Rizzo, uh police captain here in New Jersey and also author of the book *Kapokazi: A Crucible to Manage Mission Impossible*, you can check it out on Amazon or wherever you find books. It is an absolutely great read, um, to say the least. So Tom did a great job putting that book together. So check it out. More short time with Vin and Dave coming up next on ninety-four three The Point. Hey, this is Tony Gaga. You need a radio guy. You have gotta go to the radio
1: guys that I go to, Vin and
2: Dave on ninety-four three The Point. I'm Gaga. 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 Whether you're in the early stages of investing, getting ready to retire, or planning your estate, you need a financial planner who will guide you on a clear path with honesty and transparency. Shoreline Wealth Management understands that you're more than your money, and they strive to help you realize your best life as they align your finances with your goals. Best of all, Shoreline's straightforward approach will include you in the process. Shoreline Wealth Management is your financial anchor, committed to helping you weather life storms. Visit ShorelineWealth.com for more information today. ShorelineWealth.com. Securities offered through LPL Financial, member Finn or at SIPC. Hi, this is High Performance Executive Coach Dana Cavalier and former Director of Strength and Conditioning for the New York Yankees. And you're listening to Short Time with Vin and Dave on 94.3 the point. It's always great to hang with champions, and these two guys are champions.